I just want moms that maybe are struggling with that, new moms that are struggling with that feeling, struggling with mourning their old life, but being excited for this new one and, and trying to manage those feelings together. I want you to know you're not alone in that. And I want this to be a conversation that you hear and know that you can talk to other people about that. You're listening to God Hears Her, a podcast for women where we explore the stunning truth that God hears you, He sees you, and He loves you because you are His. Find out how these realities free you today on God Hears Her. Welcome to God Hears Her. I'm Erin Eddy Atkins. And I'm Elisa Morgan. Today we're sitting with one of our producers, Mary Jo Clark, and then Erin and I are going to all share together about our adventures in motherhood. Mary Jo recently celebrated her son's first birthday, so she's been navigating motherhood for a year now. And Erin, you've been a bonus mom now for several months, and boy, I've been at it for decades. Today we want to talk about motherhood. There are so many ways to become a mother, adopting, fostering becoming a stepmom, or what I like to say, a bonus mom. And we want to make space for each experience today. So join us for our three-way conversation. Mary Jo Clark, Erin Eddie Atkins, and me, Elisa Morgan, on God Hears Her. As we're recording this, Erin, you've been married for like, I don't know, 14 days or something. <laughs> I'm not sure. But you have been amping up, you know, mm-hmm. on the on-ramp to becoming a stepmom for a couple of years. So, and, yeah. and just a little context for me, my kids are in their late 30s. Both of my children came to us through adoption. So I've never been pregnant, but adoption is infants and they were private adoptions. So didn't know their birth parents. Since that time, my son found his birth mother. My daughter hasn't been on that journey. Um, I became a grandmother almost 20 years ago for the first time. And then I also have a son-in-law that I'm a mom to in many ways. I have a daughter-in-law that I'm a mom to as a mother-in-law, you know, way. And then now we have another grandson and just a month ago, another grandson. So got lots of those mom things going on. Plus I had a mm-hmm. stepmom. plus, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. So yeah. we want to talk about the adventures of motherhood, you know, just all of the things about, you know, as we kind of celebrate mothering. We want to talk about that, right? Yeah. Anything you want to get off your chest as you get into this? I'm new Mm -hmm. to this space. Mm -hmm. And there's also this imposter syndrome that I think that I am wrestling with. And Can you unpack that a little bit, Erin? What do you mean? Yeah, I think that God has equipped me over the last decade of my life to be in the exact space I'm supposed to be in right now. And that is a bonus mom to a six-year-old a 12-year-old, and a 14-year-old. And what's so sweet about what God has done and how he's just redeemed both my husband and I's lives and blending our families together is that I grew up in a household of three girls, and it's the same age gap that his daughters are that me and my sisters are. So I feel like there's a lot of like inner child uh, work that I've been doing over the last couple of years as I've just observed and loved these girls and waited, you know, for them to love me back in this journey. And so I I feel like the imposter syndrome piece is I know that God has placed me in this. I've had beautiful words spoken over me. And there's just so many sweet things that have happened over the last couple of years to bring me to this point. But then you like, it's almost like 
he's prepared me, but then you also feel like you are a goldfish that's been placed in cold water because mm-hmm. there's new experiences that you're learning to exercise muscles that you've never done before. And so you start to think like, am I equipped? Am I qualified? Am I the person that needs to be doing this? You know, you have those like second um, second thoughts, which every mother I think feels that way. Totally, totally. <laughs> but I have isolated myself into thinking, nope, it's just because I'm a bonus mom. That's mm-hmm. only bonus moms feel this way. You know, another term would be stepmom feels this way. Moms with children that are their blood don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. So you audit, you start to have these like battles in your mind. So, I mean, I'm just diving in and mm-hmm. those are, that's the journey that I've been on. That's so rich. And I know a lot of people are listening and can identify with that. I've had some of those thoughts as an adoptive mom, that there's a pretense about it, you know, and somebody's going to find out someday. <laughs> MJ, you have a, a more traditional route into mothering. And, and in a lot of ways, you're in the thickest, difficultest part in some ways, but in other ways, you're also in the joyous discovery mm-hmm. moments. T- tell us about your journey into motherhood. I want to start by thanking Erin for sharing that part, uh, especially you said you feel that way, but no one else does. And it's such a big feeling that everyone's having because no one's talking about it. So I want to thank you for bringing it up. Mm-hmm. I was honestly, I was like, how am I going to even start with sharing today because there's so much joy in my life right now, but there have been a lot of hard morning moments as well. And so I was going to start with the difficult things as well. And I will say I didn't have Milo until I was 33. So it felt like I was older in regards to, I mean, I think geriatric for pregnancy is like 35 or something. So they're already like, hey, you know, kind of warning you already. (laughs) So, you know, but I've not done it before. So I still feel young. But that just meant I had I didn't get married till 30. So I had my 20s of being independent. I love to travel. Russ and I, when we got married, we made sure that we traveled and enjoyed new adventures together. And so there was a strange feeling. I I knew I wanted to be a mom, but I also accepted that, I mean, I didn't know if I'd be able to. So Mm -hmm. I accepted this fact of I'll be happy if I have kids and I will be happy, content if I don't. Mm -hmm. And so when we got pregnant, we were Mm -hmm. looking forward to it and we were excited. And I wasn't even, it was strange because I'm an an anxious person, but I wasn't scared of the birthing part. (laughs) I was scared of the baby part. And so um, the labor was not something I feared. And then once my baby was here, it was so comforting and I had so much joy. And I thought, wow, this must be the the chemistry switching Mm. in my brain where I'm just so natural. And then maybe two hours later, I was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was it. a gift for that moment. Um, but the first two nights in the hospital were really hard for me. I was fine during the day. I was fine being awake, taking care of being taken care of, but also taking care of my baby and my husband. But it was the nighttime. All of these anxious thoughts. I'm not great in change. This is the biggest change of my life. And I felt sad. I was mourning the loss of my Mm. old life, but Mm. then feeling immense guilt and shame because Mm. I loved this new baby so much. I didn't want to feel sad because this is a joyful time. And so it was this strange coexisting of feelings, but just 
really overpowered by this shame for having any of the sadness. Yeah. I really resonate with what you were saying, Erin, with the imposter syndrome, because I'm the youngest. I have one sister, older sister. I don't have any experience with taking care of children or babies. And so it really was kind of being pushed into the deep end. Or you, I liked your example of the fish going into mm-hmm. cold water. And with that comes shock. I think that Mm -hmm. (laughs) your body just goes into shock. And so I would say I just want moms that maybe are struggling with that, new moms that are struggling with that feeling, struggling with mourning their old life, but being excited for this new one and, and trying to manage those feelings together. I want you to know you're not alone in that. And I want this to be Mm -hmm. a conversation that you hear and know that you can talk to other people about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It it took me a few months to feel more connected and more like alive in it. And that's that postpartum journey as well. But I really rounded a corner maybe like five months in. There were still a lot of hard times, but it was I was just excited each day Mm -hmm. then to be there with my baby. And it, it wasn't just uh, that pressure of this is my life, this is change, I'm not good at this, but I love this baby. It was just like, all right, we can do this. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been a journey and I'm still on it, <laughs> but it's beautiful. I think the ambivalence you're expressing is so normal and Erin, and you as well, and me. <laughs> One of the things that happens, I love this quote, when a child is born, a mother is born as well. Mm. So whether that child's born through adoption or through marriage or through birth, you know, or through grandparenting, that you enter a new role. And Erin, you started out talking about that, you know, the the embrace of the identity. You know, in your early 30s, Mary Jo, you go from being a, an all-sufficient, if you will, you know, woman to a mom who wants to cry more than her baby does, you know. And, <laughs> and you know, Erin, you're ad- adapting to a, a marriage and children. And and I know for me, it's it's been the same thing. And and if I had to put my finger on something that expresses the oh the struggle or the surprise of motherhood, it, it's it's maybe the lack of control. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I am a very self motivated, <laughs> proactive human <Yeah>. being, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't predict what your children are going to need when. This is a really raw thing I want to share, but it touches on the imposter syndrome too, which I think is basically thinking we're all supposed to just know how to do whatever it is we're supposed to be doing. And nobody knows, you know, God, God gives babies and children to people every time we've never been parents before. I mean, I used to giggle and say, why doesn't he give them to the grandparents? Because we know what to do, but he doesn't. And he forms (laughs) us as much as he forms them. But I remember early on in my daughter's life, she was, oh gosh, maybe three months old. And I remember one of my friends who was a mothering mentor to me said, Elisa, you're just going to experience such joy. Just look deep into her eyes and she'll show you who she is. You'll see yourself staring back from her eyes. Mm -hmm. Guess what? I looked deep in her eyes and I didn't recognize her because she's not from my womb. And that one piece of advice really scared me. But it also taught me that our job as mothers is to look deep into their eyes and maybe we'll see 
pieces of ourselves, but mainly what we're going to see is who that child is. And maybe it'll fit like in your constellation, Erin, where there's a, you know, the three siblings lined up and you have some familiarity, or maybe it'll be a total stranger, a different gender, like, like yours, MJ, you know, and oh my gosh, it's a little boy I'm looking at, you know, Um, I don't know, but all this ambivalence, all this lack of control is so normal. If, if anybody hears anything from our conversation mm-hmm. is that this is normal. We all go through it for the first time, all by ourselves, and how much we need each other and the honesty of these words. One thing that comes to mind when I was, I was reading a book specific to helping stepmoms learn how to love while they're waiting to be loved back. Mm. Oh, that's such a beautiful task. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) and the thing that it kept pointing out to that I think every mother can identify with, every grandmother can identify with, every mentor can identify with is recognizing when you trade your trust and your dependence on God with your self-sufficiency and your abilities and what you know and your skills and the the thing that it kept pointing out to me and myself was that I'm a go getter, you know, and I and I I go for things, and like clearly I'm like read books, I'm talking to all bonus moms all over the world, I'm like interviewing, <laughs> taking notes. How can I learn? Mm-hmm. How can I make things better? Make things or understand my own growth? Or and then there's a quiet whisper that's loud <laughs> over my thoughts, where it's like the Lord is bringing me back to learning how to trust and depend on him with the choices that I make, how I think about myself, how I think about myself and responding to a child. Like those those are the little things that I'm 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 learning that I think that everybody can identify with that we operate sometimes more on our self-sufficiency mm-hmm. which then just makes us so exhausted and emotionally drained. Don't you think the parallel between ourselves being parents and God being our parent is made abundantly more clear when we become parents. You know, suddenly I look at him and I go, oh, I must really frustrate you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, you must really be heartbroken when I run mm-hmm. headlong into this, that, or the other choice. Yes. Oh, you do want my best. And I, I think parenting, um, mothering a child helps me have great respect for our good God who knows best and yet gives us so much slack. And yet he's always there. Well, and it's funny, Erin, because I love having this conversation right now because so much of what you're saying as as a new bonus mom is completely reflecting the process of the baby time, too. Because when you were talking about the book title... What was it? It's called Waiting to be Wanted. That was one of my biggest struggles in those first few months was, I mean, there's that feeling of connection with your baby and that sort of thing. But something was hurting me because I didn't feel like he felt that connection back to me. And, you know, part of it is like they can smell the mom and that sort of thing. But part of it is he can't see that far so like I'm like does he, he even like cannot me? yes, yeah. right. yes. yes. And, and so I I would I just felt like he didn't love me and so oh. it was this weird feeling of oh. waiting for him to love me as much as I loved him but that also feels weird and so exactly what Elisa is saying though was this feeling now of how often does that happen for God when he's he's waiting for us to talk with him 
or to look Mm -hmm. up at him or to acknowledge he's been here the whole time. And the main thing is God's not going anywhere. He's here with us. And so thinking about that in a motherhood journey, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, so whether it's a toddler being angry or a 14-year-old being angry and just having these, these troubles and not wanting to talk to mom or not wanting to be around, you know, it's like we can still be there and encourage them or however, you know, reflect God in that. And on top of all of that, too, Elisa, with what you were saying in the new understanding then of of God through motherhood, I really love The Chosen. And, you know, you can read whether it's the nativity story or Jesus growing up and you can be like, yeah, Mary and Joseph were there. Cool, whatever. But seeing the physical representation of Mary and Jesus on screen together and now having a baby boy, mm-hmm. like I'm getting emotional right now just thinking about the love Mary had for Jesus as her son Beautiful. and also knowing him to be the savior. It's this feeling that like I can't fully comprehend because Milo's just a baby. He's just a normal man baby. <laughs> um, he's not the son of God. But just being able to relate and sense like okay, as much as I love my son, Mary was in this boat as well, but she had to watch what her son was going to go through in order to save the world. And it's, I don't, I can't even describe that feeling. It's, it's beautiful, but it's hard. Sacrificial. You know, sacrifice is an enormous part of motherhood. And as we're laying the concepts of identity formation of us as women who are now mothers, okay, whoa, I mean, that's a huge morph, okay? Now put the sacrifice on top of that. You know, what has surprised you about your ability to sacrifice in mothering? I was married, no children. I go through my divorce, date, single as a Pringle, just (laughs) single all the time. And thinking that maybe, maybe I'll have children. Maybe I won't. I have no idea what the Lord has planned for me. So I learned a lot of like selfish ways Mm -hmm. of just, or maybe not selfish ways, but just independent of just me and just la la la, me and me and I'm just taking care of me. And then it's (laughs) like all of a sudden you're in a relationship, (laughs) become serious, then you meet the children and then you learn how much you love the children. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I want them to be my children. Mm -hmm. And that whole journey, knowing that God was a part of every step of it, what surprised me was how easy it was for me to release myself and grasp onto a new self, Mm -hmm. a new identity Mm -hmm. that God was shaping within me. Mm -hmm. It surprised me that it was easier for me to be like, I'm so excited Mm -hmm. to go shopping Mm -hmm. and I'm so excited to make sure that they've got lunch taken care of or I'm so excited that they need leggings. That was easy for me to walk into and I was very surprised by that. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, Erin. It's been fascinating for me to understand the sacrifice. I've watched all my friends do this. Like a lot of my friends have had kids before me, so I've watched them have to go through it and I, as the single person, was able to be there for them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's been tough Mm -hmm. for me is to now be the person going through it and to allow other people to be there for me because of how little I can now do. Mm. I am still working full time. And that's what our story has to be right now. And I enjoy it. And Russ works full time. And my parents are around to help us. And that's 
something we're able to do, but it is sacrificing time with my child as well. So I'm sacrificing in different ways. I'm sacrificing. Yes. It is guilt inducing because the fact that I'm working full time makes me feel guilty that I can't be taking care of of my baby as a full-time mom. When I'm with my baby and I do have a full-time job, I feel guilty. Oh, should Mm -hmm. I be working on this instead? And so it's been a strange feeling of waiting for the balance to come. I remember maybe nine months in to the postpartum journey, driving Mm -hmm. home from work with Milo in the back seat. And I was processing all of this stuff. I hadn't processed it for a while because I was just waiting for everything to feel normal again. And I I was like, oh, wait, this is the normal. <laughs> like, I'm not <laughs> waiting right. for anything That's anymore. Right. This That's is right. it. Yeah. So there are things that I'm sacrificing by working and being a full-time worker, full-time mom. I don't get to be as social. I'm very grateful because the people I work with are family to me. Mm -hmm. And so I have a social outlet. But the things I'm sacrificing, to me, I'm sacrificing the extra time I had outside of the home. But I love being at the home with my family so much. Like, I think it's awesome to do jarred food and pouches and all those things. I love to cook, though. So it's been so fun for me to take the extra time to make those things. Mm -hmm. And for other people, that would be the sacrifice, would be putting the time into that. For me, it's saying no to other things just so that I can cook. And I'm excited about that, you know. So it's strange how the word sacrifice, we're we're saying goodbye, we're taking things out. But it's so that we can be opened up for other things and other possibilities. So it doesn't feel like a negative, but I still, I get sad when I think about the things that aren't there, but I'm so grateful the things that are too. I love that. That is so beautiful. And the reality is that a sacrifice is definitely a loss, but it's also something new to be gained. I mean, you both express that, you know, Aaron's talking about getting to shop for leggings and you're talking about, you know, cooking. And (laughs) it's so funny to hear that. And, and I can remember being just freaked when my daughter as a teen became pregnant. And, you know, the Lord just goes, Elisa, it's a life. And I can remember so many times, I mean, I was busy, I was working full time, I thought I'd, you know, done with the mothering thing. And here I am helping in the first couple of years of my grandson's life. And that would look like sacrifice, mm-hmm. but oh, what joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would, as a toddler, take his little lawnmower, his little Fisher Price, you know, up and down the driveway, mm-hmm. do again, yeah, yeah, do again, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, let's do it again. Mm-hmm. I could have cared less. We could do it 492 times because I knew, <laughs> you know, in another two years, he wasn't going to be doing that lawnmower because I was on the other side of it. Yeah. It all counts, it all matters. And you talked about your guilt of being at home and your guilt of being at work. You know, that permagilt is that flip side of the mothering identity as well. You know, mm-hmm. before we were moms, we had the same kinds of I'm not enough in the work or I'm not mm-hmm. enough for anybody to be attracted to me and get yeah. married or I'm not enough just to stand on my own. This mm-hmm. is part of life. It just has new clothes on now that we're mothering. So yeah. what are the best parts of mothering right now because this is going to change every two weeks because that's the stage that my baby is in is everything's different every two weeks but right now my favorite is mornings with milo is what russ and i have called it for the last probably nine months cute 
Russ stays up later than I do and can take, if Milo wakes up, he'll take that shift. But I wake up early so that I can get some work done and also be there for my baby when he wakes up. And it is my favorite thing. If I'm working in the living room and I see him on the little video monitor and he's rolling around, he's like, oh, slowly waking up. And then he stands at his crib and he just starts talking. And I go in there and it is the biggest smile on his face to see mama. And I love it too because Russ will get notifications on his phone. Oh, someone spotted in the nursery. And so he'll like go and look and see the reaction on Milo's face. And it's just like the most precious moment because for me, finding little joys in life can be really hard. And at this stage for Milo, it's so easy. And Mm -hmm. he, he feels that joy. He expresses that joy. And that allows me to be able to take a breath and know, like, whatever's going on in my life, I got that smile for that moment, you know? Love that. I remember early on when Matt and I first started dating and we had the conversation of, like, do you want kids? You know, he was asking me because he has daughters. And I told him, you know, I've always had a surrendered heart to that question. I never dated to pursue I have to have this picture and it has to look this way. I just trusted that God would rebuild in the way that he wants. And whatever man he has for me, that story will unfold. And I am truly surrendered to that. So when we started talking about children, he said to me, my girls have a mom. The pressure for you to be a mom, I want to go ahead and release that. And I was grateful for that because not that I was putting pressure on me, but I think it's very important for me to know where his heart was, that the girls have a mom. So I don't need to be in the same space. I don't have to. Like I don't don't have to. I can learn a different way of mothering and be maternal and have those maternal instincts come out. And and it's that's why I like to say I'm a bonus um, because they have a mom. So when I think about you know, what are some of the joys of mothering? I think about this zone that I'm in, the space that I'm in. And it's, it's such an honor to be an influence on these girls' lives and practice some of these principles that my, my parents instilled in us girls. And then also, honestly, watch Matt lead in the way that he leads the household and loving the girls and empowering my voice and and encouraging me on the side of, you know, I'll come to him like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Was that wrong? Is that good? Is that good parenting? Is that bad parenting? I don't know. You know, and, he, and just like that is, I find so much joy out of that because it's, tr- this is truly a new territory for me and I'm finding so much joy in the new territory of asking these questions. But I would say that God trusts me to steward my influence on their lives Mm. and empowering them in their voices and in their own individualities. Let's take our own little niche, okay? What would you say to a new mom, Mary Jo? What would you say to a new stepmom or to a stepmom, Erin? One thing I want to start with for this encouragement is that it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to mourn 
especially I think there's this transitional time and it's okay to mourn past things. I I started with that in the earlier part of this conversation and I want to make sure people know this isn't yeah. this hasn't been a sad journey for me, but there's been sadness in it. I'm so happy with my baby and I'm so happy to be a mom and I I can't picture it any differently right now. But there can be sad days, sad moments throughout, happy days and that's life in general. It just feels heightened as postpartum situations occur. So I I want to encourage women to hear that you're not alone in that and I just want you to reach out to talk to somebody about that. I'm prone to anxiety and depression. I felt prepared for postpartum. And I think I did it well, but looking back, I didn't realize how much I struggled because Mm -hmm. I'm used to it, right? And so I could have asked for more help. And that's a regret of mine. I want you to also consider all of the happy moments that are going to come. There's so many beautiful, like, milestones. We call them milestones in my house. (laughs) That's super cute. I like that. And you're going to miss some of them. But you are going to be a part of so many. And so to be able to just have those moments, enjoy at the time and celebrate and then also know it's not going to last and you're going to have new ones in the next week. And that's part of life as well. That's part of growing up. The main thing that I would say is just to talk to people about the joys and the sorrows because it is a it's a, a roller coaster of a job, but it's so beautiful and it's a ride that you would choose to go on again. Even if you're a single mom, you weren't meant to do it all alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, God right. created somebody to have a relationship that's with somebody true. so that there is a somebody. But, you know, so even if those relationships aren't exactly all together now, the reality is there are other people around you who would like to be involved and who can help. Mm-hmm. For me, the piece of advice that I would give somebody that is in the space of stepmom or maybe potentially becoming stepmom, you can only control what you can control. Mm. You cannot control how people are going to respond to you in this new space, so whether it's the children processing, they're all on their journey and they all process differently. And even if externally they're polite, internally they're processing. And it is so important for you to know that your identity is not found in their emotional response. Your identity is found in who God is in your life And if he is placing you in this space, he is placing you in this space and be confident in that and just seek guidance and wisdom and therapy and conversations with God on how to hold emotions that are being processed with the sweet children that you have now been stewarded to love. And then I would also say you can't control externally other things, whether it's co-parenting or it's, I mean, you can only control again what you can control. And God wants to help you be in that space. He wants the invitation and uh, it's, it's learning. It goes back to that self-sufficiency. I spoke on it because it's something that I've just seen and learned and I feel like we're on the journey of going God we trust you we will control what we can control but you know that's a really important principle and it's one that God taught me so repeatedly (laughs) Mm -hmm. repetitively um, (laughs) just that I'm not responsible for my children's choices I'm responsible for my responses to their choices 
And that's what you're saying. You know, we can't control things we can't control, but we can control the things we can control. And, you know, so maybe a big picture thing I would share is don't take yourself too seriously. Mm. I mean, the reality is, yeah, you have been chosen to be a mom role in this child's life, whether it's, you know, for eternity here or, you know, a year or two, you know, whatever you have been. And it's an a huge calling and it's an identity former for you and for them but the reality is too is you're not perfect and god's going to use you and he's got mm. them more than you ever can hope to there's nowhere they can go that he is not and you don't want to make them think that you're god you mm. want them to see their need for god and that god's not you so yeah. god doesn't expect us to be perfect and we're not going to be. And he can use even our, I used to call them Swiss cheese holes, mm. to reveal our kids' needs for himself. As we close, I also want to mention, this is a Mother's Day episode. We wanted to talk about being moms, but this is a really hard day for a lot of women. Whether they've lost babies, had miscarriages, were unable to have children, I just want to share my respect and love for all of my aunts and mentors out there. The other very difficult reality is for those whose moms are gone and we miss them deeply. Or maybe we never got to finish growing up in that relationship and they died in an incomplete relationship. We can't address every single one of these amazingly beautiful human mm -hmm. experiences, but the reality is we want to acknowledge them and we want to yeah. say, you know, even the three of us probably re represent about everything, but there's so many listening and we need each other and let's stay connected to each other no matter how different we might appear at times. Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms and mentors out there. We hope you feel so loved and celebrated today for all you do. And thanks for joining this conversation. Be sure to check out our website and subscribe to our email list. You can find that and more at godhearsher.org. That's godhearsher.org. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, God hears you. He sees you. And he loves you because you are his. Today's episode was engineered by Ann Stevens and produced by Jade Gustman. We also want to thank all the moms out there for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Thanks, everyone. God Hears Her is a production of our Daily Bread Ministries.